Okay. All right. If you sorry about that, if you couldn't hear us online, we had secret announcements that you had to be in person to hear. So, uh, oh, can you guys hear me now, Bill? Can you give me a thumbs up? Thumbs up if you can hear. Okay. All right. Perfect. So, um, for those that are online, I'm saying thank you for not quitting when you had reasons to quit. Okay. And so that's that's. I don't just thank you guys for that. I thank God that you didn't quit when you had a reason to quit. And that's what we're looking at this morning in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. So how many of you remember Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story? Okay, The Rest of the Story was a radio show done by Paul Harvey. And Paul Harvey would tell a story about something, but then he would give the backstory. And the backstory provided context that made the story that much more impactful. Okay, so here's the thing I've learned doing ministry with people. You all have a backstory. And if everybody knew your backstory and the path that you've had to follow to get here, we would appreciate the fact that we're all here together that much more. There's things about my backstory that you don't know. Things that I went through that you don't know about. You know, man, you don't have to know. But there's things about you guys. There's things about people in this room that I know about that no one else knows about. Okay? That just makes me say, man, thank God for Annette. Wow. Okay, so so some of the backstories. I'm not going to tell anybody's backstory, but but I appreciate it so much because your story over the years has included what I call jumping off points. And a jumping off point is where if you just quit, go ahead, turn to the left, turn to the right, you've got your excuse. And everybody would be like, well, yeah, that makes sense. From a humanistic standpoint, it makes sense you would quit on God because he let you down. That you would quit on those people because they offended you. You would quit on that path. And then you've got like this story that you can tell people. Well, I tried church and it didn't work for me. Yeah, it, church was full of hypocrites. Well, that's not a reason for you to quit coming because you're kind of a hypocrite too, if you're honest. Always root for one more. There you go. That's your answer. The next time someone tells you they don't go to church because church is full of hypocrites, just tell them what Fareed said. That there's always room for one more. I love that. Actually, that may not be that may not be the best way to get in here. Okay. But Paul has a similar message this morning to the church at Thess at uh, Thessalonica. So so look with me. Open your Bible. Second. Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul gives his normal greeting in, in verses 1 and 2, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians and God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here is his, his salutation that he always gives, grace and peace, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this verse 3, for we, uh, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. 
as it is me, like it only makes sense that we're doing this, because that your faith groweth exceedingly in the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So, so let's go to the next slide. This first section, we're just going to talk about influence. Paul and his team in verse three were bound to thank God. In other words, they were moved. They were influenced to go to God when they saw the lives of the Thessalonians, their faith being lived out. Okay, so before we look at, at how they were living, I, I think this, this begs the question, why would one person see another person growing and loving and be moved so much that he must thank God for it? Or another way to question is, another way to ask this question would be, why are we influenced by each other in that way? Why not just think like, well, good for them. I'm happy for them, but it doesn't really affect me. Okay, that's that's how things normally function most of the time. So maybe over Thanksgiving, you had a niece or a nephew come to visit. And you haven't seen them for a couple years. And they used to be this tall. Okay, now they're this tall. And you're like, whoa, you've grown so much. Good for you, little buddy. You're getting to be so big. That's what you would say. And then over Thanksgiving dinner, they had like good manners, which is way different than last time. So you're seeing their growth and you're seeing their charity. And you wouldn't fall down on your knees right there and be bound to thank God for that you'd be like good for you i'm glad that's great but it wouldn't move you emotionally you guys you guys see what i'm saying in in the church at thessalonica paul was moved he was bound to thank god for that okay so so here is why here's the answer to that question it's because the spiritual reality is is that we have a mutual faith okay we have a mutual faith romans 1 uh, 11 and 12, Paul says, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. I want to come visit you, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 11. And then in verse 12, he says, That is, that I may be comforted together with you. So when I come to visit you, I can comfort you and you can comfort me with um, by the mutual faith of both you and me. So the faith that you have is the same faith I have. And when we gather together, we can both be comforted because of that. Ephesians chapter four, verses four and five, give us another perspective on this. This is what it says. For there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and what? In you all. Okay, well, that's that's pretty cool. Did you know that God is in you? Oh, and that God is in me. Okay, so so we have, I'll draw a picture here. We have our souls. Okay, so this is the soul now our souls are in our our bodies right so we'll we'll draw 
a body around the soul. Okay, so here's the body. I'm getting in shape. See, it's got a, it's not like. Okay, now what else do we have? We have body, soul, and. Okay, so we have our spirit in here. We'll just draw that kind of like that. Now, we have our body, our soul, and here is our spirit. Now, this verse we just read in Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that God is in us. Okay, in fact, if, if you spend a little time in Ephesians, what you would see in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, is that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Okay, now 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says that that Holy Spirit is inside of us. So we, we have the Holy Spirit of God inside us, or the Holy Ghost, if you will. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, says that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. And then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6, tells us that God dwells within us. So, so here... Inside you, dwelling inside you, we have God himself. Our spirit connected with the Holy Spirit, sealed. So we have that. Okay, now, we also still have a connection to the world. Okay, this is the saved person. We still have a connection to the world through self. Boo. Spirit of God. Yay! Okay. Flesh. Selfish. Boo. Okay, so what do we have here? We have the lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. And what? The pride of life. And you read about that in 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Okay? Now. The world is always trying to influence influence us in this direction. Okay, Naturally, we are wired for that. However, after we're saved and we're connected with God and dwelt by God, we're also being drawn this way okay, through the Holy Spirit to the things of God. That is our reality. Okay, Now, why are we talking about this? Well, I would just say this, consider, like I was talking to Nick earlier, Nick's like, man, the snow, I was late getting here. He goes, but I needed to be with the body this morning. Man, I needed to be here. Why? Well, because, all right, in our flesh, I don't care if someone else is growing spiritually. In my flesh, I don't care if you all are loving each other, like, good for you but how it doesn't affect me. Okay, because the flesh is pretty selfish, but in terms of my soul being influenced in this direction to the things of God, think about it this way. When you came here and assembled with us this morning, did you bring God with you? Yeah. So what did we just, we just sat through a service, but what we heard, we heard the word of God preached. The word of who? It's his word. What do you think that God within us, the spirit, when it hears the word of God and our soul is in the midst of all that, 
we're being moved in this direction because it's God's word and it's God's spirit within us. Okay, and when we're praising, why, do, why did we recognize the word of God for what it is? It's because God dwells in you. It's different than when you were lost. And when we're praising, why does it resonate? Because God is within you. And now you're alive and you're moving in this direction. Your soul isn't being dragged down over here. It's being moved in this direction. That's why Nick said, I need to come and meet with the body. When we pray and we give prayers of thanksgiving and that redounds to the glory of God. Why? Because God is within us. Okay, last one. The people of God. In your flesh? Who cares? Oh, good for you. But God within you, the spirit of God within you, the love of God. Okay, when 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 we see people, what, what's the verse say? Okay. The verse says, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. When I see your faith growing exceedingly, and your charity of every one of you toward another aboundeth. How do you think God feels about that? Man, God loves that. His kids are getting along. They're growing spiritually. They're moving in this direction. And they're doing it together in unity. What a beautiful thing. And it's like Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit itself bears witness that we are the children of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So when I see you here, like you haven't quit. I know you got reasons to quit. You got other places to be. It's snowy. Like what I'm not. Okay. So you people who are at home, be at peace. I'm not like saying like, if you're not here this morning, you're bad. Okay. Just saying though, you've had a thousand reasons to quit along the way. And the fact that you haven't, man, Thank God for Scott Grove. Thank God for Mark Bailey. Thank God for you, right? I can't, I'm not going to go through the whole room, but that's how I feel. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, so here's our key point, okay? Our key point is that our lives do influence others. Like it or not, you're not an island, and your life influence others. The people in the church at Thessalonica influenced Paul. Now, they influenced them in a good way. Praise the Lord. It does make me wonder, though. What do people say to God? Okay, so Paul saw them and he's like, God, look at them. Thank you. Okay, so what do people say to God if they're going to look at my life with the lens of my spiritual growth and my charity? How well is Chris loving on other people's? How much is he growing spiritually? And then they there look God and they're like, ah, God help him. Okay, it does make me wonder. It does make me think, would anybody be bound to thank God for my faith and charity? Or how much thankfulness is being directed to God through my life right now? We used to talk about a heart sink sensation. It's not a very nice way to talk about people. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying this is what we did. 
when I was in practice and in, 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 the, in the clinic, okay? And, and the charts were on the door and, and you didn't know who your next patient, I never knew who my next patient was because I was always behind, I was always, you know. So I just go get the chart. I'm like, who am I seeing next? And every once in a while, there's like a, like a patient who's a problem. It's like, okay, I'm going to go see my next patient. And he look, and it's like, oh. and we call it the heart sink reaction. Like, I have to see this. I can't not see this patient. Like, they're, but I know how this is going to go because the last 10 times, I, it's been nothing but, but, okay, so, so I don't want to be a heart sink Christian where I'm walking into the building, I'm walking into the meeting, I'm walking into service, whatever, and people are like, oh. So, you know, we do influence others, and that's our first point, but how do we influence them, and how do we get to the place where we can live our lives where God's going to look at you and be like, thank God for Joanne. Like, I want to be that person, amen? Okay, so, so, so let's go on, because in verse 4, Paul is bound to thank God in verse three. In verse four, he explains why. So that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Okay, so we talked about being an influence. Now we're gonna talk about being an inspiration because this is what was happening. When Paul says we gloried in you, in all these other churches, what he's saying is that we've been bragging about you. Hey, guys, I've been bragging about you guys to all the other fellowship leaders. Which I have done that a little bit, but not not like in a bad way, but in a good way. It's like you guys ought to see what God's doing in the lives of, of this group of people. It's amazing. It's so good. And then I'm like bragging about you guys. That's what Paul is saying. He's bragging about this group of believers in Thessalonica to all the other churches out there. And this is what he's saying about them. Man, they're patient. And they're faithful. They're they're bragging about your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Okay. It is enduring. Okay, so it's not the fact that they had tribulation. Okay. That wouldn't be cool if Paul's like, the church in Thessalonica, they're getting persecuted. That's awesome. That's not what he's saying, is it? This is what he's saying. That church in Thessalonica, they're getting persecuted. They're not quitting. They're enduring it. So I'm learning to become an endurance athlete as I get older. And here's what I'm learning. Endurance means I really feel like quitting. But I can't because I'm not at the finish line yet. We've got another mile. Oh, goodness. Okay. Scott Growth, Iron Man. I asked him one time, I'm like, how, how do you deal with the aspect of it? Like, I just want to quit all the time. He goes, well, I just ran. I knew it was going to get done until I crossed that finish line. And the faster I went, the shorter the time of misery was. That's endurance. Endurance by definition means you feel like quitting. Which gives you a reason to quit. Okay. Endurance is also like 
I'm not going to quit. Okay, so when somebody endures persecutions and tribulations, okay, everybody's watching. It's like, man, that's thankworthy. Thank God they didn't quit. Man, I know what diagnosis they got. Ugh. They didn't quit. I know how they were offended. They didn't quit. I know how the devil's been working on them. They didn't quit. Thank you, God. And I could just go around the room like we could just go around and say, thank God that Aaron didn't quit. Could have. Some people would say should have. I would have. Yeah, but he endured that persecution. He endured that tribulation. So here's the key point number two, is that our lives can inspire others. Okay, you will influence others one way or another, for good or bad. Your life can inspire others. So, so let's look at how. Okay, verses 5 through 10. Verses 5 through 10. Okay, so the fact that their patience and faith through these tribulations, that was, verse 5 says, a manifest token. It was an indication that everybody could see of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. So what verse 5 is saying is, okay, the fact that you're enduring these things is an indication that you're trusting in God to be the judge, to take care of you to be righteous in this thing. Because otherwise we would just quit every time there's persecution. Like who wants to get killed and beat? Who wants to lose their job? Who wants to be disdained and mocked? Who, who, who wants to be uh, considered foolish in the eyes of the wise? Who, who wants to give up their time to serve? Them? Like why would you do that if you didn't believe there is a God and that there is a, a, a judgment coming? Like, like why would you endure anything hard unless you really believe. So that's what verse 5 is saying. And then the 6 through 10, these verses describe the judgment which is to come. It's really hard on the persecutors, and it's really comforting to the persecuted. Read with me. Seeing it as a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance upon them that know not God and on them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in the saints and to be admired in all them that believe, parentheses, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. This is what's being communicated. Your endurance is a token. It's an indication that you really believe what you say you believe. And there's a day coming when all this is going to be revealed and tried, a, a day of judgment, which is coming. It's a good day for the persecuted. It's a bad day for the persecutors. So that is talking about the judgment seat of Christ for us. So at the judgment seat, let's say that here's Christ with his crown at the judgment seat, okay? And here's the, the believer, okay? 
this guy, let's just say he had a pretty hard time on Earth. He, he was born in northeastern India, okay? And he was persecuted for his faith. And he has a, he's got, he's got black eye, got a bloody nose. His leg got chopped off. Okay? And he's standing there. He, he, <laughs> I shouldn't ad lib. Uh, I should just go with it. <sighs> he's persecuted. Ah, uh, okay. So, go to the next next slide for me. We're talking about no, there, right there. We're talking about an indication, a token that someone really believes. Now, if you've been at mid, if you're new to Midtown, you won't know this. But if you've been here for a while, I'm assume you've been hearing from the pulpit ministry of Sam Miles about the preeminent modern-day prophet from the 1980s, Rocky Balboa. So turn to the book of Balboa in your scripture. No, why is Rocky Balboa such a good illustration of, of a Christian? Okay. It's because we watch Rocky Balboa, who's going through some personal crisis, get into the fight with someone who has outmatched him and Rocky just gets beat up round after round after round. He's just taking punches. He's getting knocked down. It's like, ooh, that's the kind of punch that, that killed Apollo Creed. I don't know if he's getting up from that one. Oh my goodness, Rocky, look, he's like, he can't even see anymore. And he's like, cut me, Mickey. It's too swollen. They had to release the swelling so he could see. And here's the thing that got thousands of people in the stands and they're just watching Rocky get beat up and he's beat up and he's beat up. And you're like, is he going to get up this time? Okay, here's the thing. In the end, Rocky wins, right? And the, everybody goes crazy. I, I'm telling you, none of the Rocky movies would be worth watching if when he has his hand raised, his face isn't bloodied. Ever sign up for a pay-per-view MMA fight and it lasts 17 seconds and you paid $30? Anybody do that ever? Okay, yeah, you're going to watch Mike Tyson fight, and he goes in there, and he's like, one left hook, and it's over. And it's like, well, that was impressive, but not worth watching. Okay, so, so listen, the reason that Rocky Balboa is inspiring for us is because that's our story. You get knocked down, don't you? You take punches, don't you? Okay, here's the question. Do you really believe that you can win? Do you believe that in the end, okay, 
Do you believe that in the end of the book that we win? Okay. Rocky believed despite overwhelming odds. Like, you know, who's who's the Russian guy? Draco's like like this tall, and Rocky's like this little guy, and 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 but yet Rocky believed. He never quit believing. He never quit getting up. But in the end, he won. And that's our story. What a good story. I'm not happy you got punched in the face. But when you get up again, it's like, mm, thank you, God. It's like, go, Mary Beth, get up. Get up. And we got a, we got a crowd of witnesses. It's like, Paul, don't quit now. Get up. You got you got two more rounds, bro. Like, like, get up. Don't quit. Let's go. Does this make sense? Okay, so so what is it at the judgment seat of Christ? That is a token that you really believed anyway. Okay, let's look at a few. Okay, go to the next slide for me. Revelation chapter 8, verse 3. An angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So a, the, the scene is in heaven. That's the setting. And all these people are around. And here's the prayers of the saints being offered before the throne on the golden altar. Okay, so, so, so there's a question, okay? Go to the next slide for me. Our prayers. If, if your prayers are being poured out on the golden altar before the throne in eternity future, do you, do you have any prayers in that bottle? If so, there's an indication that you really believed, isn't it? If we don't, if, if our prayer bottle is just like, drip. Man, where's the indication that I really believed? That I went to the Lord when I needed to. Okay, let's go on. So we have Revelation chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. One of the elders saith to me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and loose the seven seals thereof. So there's the, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah who has the ability to open the book that no one else can do. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. A lamb bearing the markings of having been Slain. That means it was killed. Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, Paul says, From henceforth let no man trouble me. People are giving Paul a hard time. Yeah, Paul, you think you're so great. You And Paul's like, let no man trouble me. Why? Because he had an advanced degree? Because he spoke multiple languages? Because he had insight that no one else had that he got the download from god in the third heaven no here's what paul said that no man trouble me for i bear in my body the marks of the lord jesus hey i got some scars i got some scars that indicate okay 
that I've been following Christ. Go to the next slide for me. There's Galatians 6, 17. Let no man trouble me. I bear my body. So, so stop right here. This is a poem by Amy Carmichael. Has anyone read anything from Amy Carmichael before? Christine, Mary Beth. Amy Carmichael was a missionary. And here's what poem. Hast thou no scar? A hidden scar on foot or side or hand. That's where Jesus' scars were. Foot, side, and hand. I hear thee sung is mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Up and coming leader. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archer spent. Leaned me against a tree to die and rent. By ravening beasts that compassed me, I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound, no scar. Yet as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me. But thine are whole. Can he have followed far who has no wound or scar? So I just think about, like, what if at the judgment seat of Christ I'm behind this guy. Yeah, we went to India and, there, and Brian Bustos was working with the youth. I was teaching the pastors. And, and Brian tells the story of this young man that shows up and he was kind of dirty, disheveled, and was missing his front tooth. A little bit goofy looking. He's missing his front tooth. So Brian was, was going to go around. He's going to teach them all something. Okay, because we're coming from America and we have a, a handle on the scriptures and we're going to teach these guys something. And so, but... First of all, he wanted to get to know everybody. So he just went around and got to know everybody. And he's asking them about, about things. And this young man had just gotten released from prison or, or from jail earlier that day. You know what he went to jail for? For being a Christian. And when they threatened him and told him he had to repent, reject Christ and go back to Hinduism, he told him no. So they took him to jail and beat him and knocked his front tooth out. So he was coming from jail. So he comes now straight to the church, to the conference to learn something from Brian. And Brian's just like. Let's see, what can I tell you about following Christ? And, and at Man, I don't want to get beat up and have my teeth knocked out. That'd be terrible. That would be persecution and tribulation. However, I also do not want to show up at the judgment seat of Christ and have nothing, no scars, no wounds. To, like, no, I don't want wounds and scars. Like, not asking for that. What I'm saying is a few bruises. There you go. But those scars, that's a token that he really believed. Amen? So so go on. So we've got indications. To, we have prayers. The prayer bottle that's going to be poured out. We have scars. All right. We also have some, some tears. Okay, let's look at uh, Psalm 56, verse 8. Next. Thou tellest my wonderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Are you not counting my tears? Are you not keeping track of the tears that I cry? 
Okay, living as God's people in a lost, fallen world. Okay, so if our bottles are in a tear, <laughs> in a tear bottle, and those are going to get poured out, how many tears have I shed for the saints of God? How many tears have I have I shed over sorrow and repentance? Okay. Are there actually some indications in my life that I really believe this thing that I claim to believe? Okay, because they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Do we have any tears? Okay. So go on, go, go to the next slide. So we've got prayers, we've got scars, we've got tears as indications that we really believe. Okay, here's another one. Look at, Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44 here. Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. By the way, pray and just ask God, how much would you have me to give to support the fatherless? Just, just pray. And then just whatever he tells you, go ahead and give that amount. Okay? Don't give however much I think. I don't know how much you should give. How would I know that? How do you know how much you should give? Like, just ask God, how much should I give? But we want to give on Giving Tuesday to support the fatherless. Anyway, a lot of people who are rich cast in much money. There came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples. He's going to brag on his, on his saint. He calls them, and he says unto them, Check her out! She gave a, a dime. Did you see that? So all these rich people are just like, however that works. They're just like putting the money in the pot. And here comes this poor widow and she puts in a dime. And Jesus was like, you guys got to see this. Look at this. She put in a dime. She put in, for they cast into their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had goodness her poverty was noticed by the lord okay well it's the same thing when god's bragging about his heroes in the hall of faith let's go on he was bragging about these god's bragging about the women who received their dead raised to life through their faith some were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection Others had a trial of cruel mocking, scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Okay, so next slide. Our, our other indication is poverty. Prayers, scars, tears, and poverty are all tokens That they really believed. Okay, next, last one here. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses four and five. This is the passage where we're in right now. We ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you really believe. Okay, so the last one here is is your years. Why are you still here? It's because you believe, you really believe. Because you've had a lot of reasons to quit, amen? Thank you. Thank God. For those that 
helper for the faithful who really believe, who have the years. Can I just tell you this too? You start walking down a path, doesn't really matter how fast you walk. Matters if you quit walking or not. Right? All right. Last one. Okay, our key point for uh, for this one, for indication. Our endurance indicates that we really believe. The end of a thing better than the beginning of a thing. Have you read that? The end of a thing is better than the beginning of a thing. Why? It's easy to begin. Ending requires endurance. Okay, so the last one in verses 11 and 12. Wherefore all also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the last one is invocation. That's prayer. Fancy way of saying prayer. Starts with an I. Okay, so invocation. There's several things that are prayed. I've been praying for you all that God would count you worthy of the calling that he's called you to. Because in our flesh, we're not worthy. I can't study enough to be worthy to preach a message to you that will that will connect with you. Okay, I can't learn enough. I, I can't in my flesh get a message across and you and your flesh can't disciple anybody. You and your flesh can't do what you're called to do. Did you know that? But God can count us worthy and he can work in and through us to accomplish his good pleasure. To fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. Look, don't be satisfied with some of what God has for you. But to get all of it, you're going to have to settle in. You're going to have to endure. Okay, don't just sign up, follow through. Let's keep going. You're going to have a thousand reasons to quit. I'm just saying don't quit. Don't do it. That's not the Holy Spirit of God. That's over here, the devil trying to separate you out. Okay, so so anyway, we could go through that prayer and look at different things, but we're running short on time. I don't want to do that. I, but I do just want to make this last key point that we pray in light of spiritual reality. Okay, how should you pray for the other people in this class? Well, just like Paul prayed, we pray in light of spiritual reality. We should be bound to thank God. Okay, sit down with somebody, get to know them, learn their backstory, and you'll appreciate them. I know some of your backstories. I know some of what you've gone through and what you're going through and what the family situation is and that burden and the tears and the, the like, man, I thank God for you be easier just to get punched in the face and just fall down and don't get up again. But you didn't. Here you are. Man, thank God. We should thank God for each other. Get If you don't have that mindset one toward another, then you don't know them very well. You should get to know one another and thank God for the endurance that we have. Okay? 
we should pray that God would work in and through them and we'd make full, uh, make, make full work of this ministry that he's called us to. God, help us not to fall short. You know the church doesn't get it done at the time of the rapture. The gospel isn't spread everywhere. There's still a lot of lost people in the world but the time that God takes the church out. Did you know that? Okay, biblically, doctrinally, the church fails, but let's not us fail. If the church leaves the world in a mess, let's not leave our families in a mess. Let's not leave our workplaces in a mess. Let's not leave our friends. Okay, if someone's determined to go to hell, they ought to trip over us on the way, amen? Okay, let's make sure that us as a class, we are functioning with everything that God has for us. That's gonna require us continuing on Okay, and then and then um, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified in you and ye in Him according to the grace of our God, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So so, thank you for not quitting. It's the only reason any of us are still here because we didn't quit. Christina and I have the secret to a long marriage. You know what it is? Stay married. Don't quit. Chris, like, have you had a have you had a jumping off point or two in your yes, yes? Did we quit? No, thank God. Amen. Yeah. So so, you know, I thank God for you. We should thank God for each other. Um, let's take a, a, a little bit of time in our small groups. Let's just pray through whatever maybe God has shown you here. And if you don't have anything to talk about, you do have a formula for prayer in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. So I'll close this out here in prayer in about 10 minutes.